Come on, Benny, you made it to church. I know you're the second service, you're the late service. You woke up late this morning, you made it to church. Um, let me just start the sermon today. We're, we're in a series called Relationship Goals. And uh, God has a wonderful plan for your life and so do a lot of other people. I'm gonna be talking this morning about the voices that the enemy would love you to listen to and the voice of God and the difference in between them. Um, I'm Pastor Corey, if we haven't met by the way, it's Pastor Aaron right there. We uh, planted the church about five years ago. You're like, how does, if you're not from church, like planting a church makes no sense to you. You're like, well, it's like, right? It doesn't, it's like a business startup, I guess is what it is. Um, and we started this church because we thought that a life saved was worth everything. And, and um, but you know, God has a wonderful plan for your life. I also have a wonderful plan for your life that includes you going through next steps. And uh, if you're new here or you just haven't ever gone through next steps, we want you to go a layer deeper in church because that's really where the magic is. When you come to church and you're not coming for you anymore, you're coming to serve people. It's funny how your problems seem to melt away when you actually start getting engaged in your life's purpose, which is to help somebody else find their life's purpose. And so uh, we're doing next steps. I announced this in the, in the other service totally wrong. I announced it as next Sunday. It's not next Sunday at all. And then my staff was like, do we correct him in front of everybody? Will we still have jobs? And I'm like, yes, that's your job to correct. So it's not the, this week. It's because there's too many weeks, too many Sundays in this month. And that's not my fault. And so anyways, it's next week. What, what we're doing with Next Steps is a little different. We still have an online uh, videos for all you introverts out there. Because we love you. Two weeks. What did I say? I said next week again. Don't you correct me in front of everybody. Okay, no, that's good. Don't show up next week, expect, because this is what it is. It's an hour-long pizza party with the pastors. And we want you to be there. Even if you've gone through uh, NXT lately, we want you to be there. So just scan the QR code, uh, RSVP, so we have enough pizza for you. But even just, you can show up, or if a friend shows up, just stay at 1215 right after the second service. That gives us enough time to move some chairs around. We're going to have pizza right here. And you're going to hear from Pastor Aaron and I. The heart of why we started the church... Uh, you can ask some questions there if you would like. Some of my team is going to handle some things. And so we would love uh, that to be you. And so venue people, all you heard was free pizza that I don't get because I've been here a long time. Get somebody new and be like, you're coming with me next week and then I'll feed you too. All right. All right. Layden's happy. Um, one of the venue kids, is she Emma? She gave me a little package this morning that has a bracelet that she's like, thank you for ordering this bracelet. Please wear it today. She goes, I added the cross for you. Thank you, Emma. Do I owe you money? Did I order this? Do I owe you money? Oh, okay. Okay, okay. But I love you. Thank you so much for that. That was so sweet. Anyways, um, sorry. That's just me. I love it. If your kids have never met me, sometimes I'm just the guy who wanders around sometimes. So please come and introduce your kids to us, Pastor Aaron. We would love to meet them. And so I don't want to be the guy that just wanders around the church that they don't get to see that much. Um, now, today's sermon is really about voices. I can only hit on like a few thoughts about this. So I'm going to really rely on the small group leaders this week to really kind of flesh it out for you because you're going to be sitting there thinking of your scenario. And the trouble is when you sit in church, you think that your scenario is different than the scenario beside you. But the Holy Spirit is so strong and so powerful that he can speak a word for you and a word for them out of the same sermon that and contextualize it. But I think that this week you might need help in your... You, I hope that you're in small groups. Um, most of y'all are in small groups. Be in small groups because the, the leaders will help contextualize this for your life. 
because um, I can't, I got to take kind of a broader stroke at this. I can't really kind of get into some of the nitty gritties, although I'm going to explain some things. Now, listen, God's power follows God's revelation. Revelation is that thing where you like, because you kind of know what needs to happen, but you don't know how you need to get your wife to not be crazy. Or you don't know how to get your kids off of, or you don't know how to get pure. You don't know how. Revelation is the contextualization of God's voice in a way that will get you what the result that you want, right? So God's power follows God's revelation, which means God's power doesn't follow your revelation. And so too often we're speaking with our voice. It's not God's voice and it's not the same thing unless there are times when we actually speak for God. God's voice follows God's, rev uh, God's power, I should say, follows God's revelation, which follows God's voice. Today is going to be all, uh, be all about how do I uh, hear God's voice in, in roles in people in my life. So just hang with me here. Now listen, everybody wants their voice to matter to you, but not everybody has the right or even something helpful to say, you just finished Thanksgiving dinner with your crazy relatives. Say amen, Venue Church. Thanks, Sean. Can I keep that, keep that up there? Because everybody wants their voice to matter to you. I'm going to be talking about voices and the roles that they should have. Not everyone has the right or even something helpful to say. Can I spin that a little bit? And can I say, you want your voice to matter to everybody too. But you might not have the right to be speaking some of the things that you're speaking. And you might not even have anything helpful to say. Even if you did have the right. Now, um, your role determines your voice. I, I was, I was, I had a few extra minutes this morning. I was looking at the sermon and I felt like, God, I still don't know the point of the, of the sermon. And this is what God said to me. Some people are not listening to my voice. That's why they're confused. That's why they don't have the power that they need in their lives. That's why they're not getting the results of God and heaven's work in their lives. They're listening to other voices. There's so many voices out there right now, right? And so this sermon is called uh, freedom of speech. It's kind of tongue in cheek here. Just give me a minute. Now, your role determines your voice. Now, when you try to function outside of God's role for you or someone in your life is speaking outside of God's role for them, uh, it doesn't work and their voice is not going to matter as much as, as we want it to, as they want it to. Now, it's a lot like, you know, we have uh, four daughters. It's a lot like being in the hospital room with Pastor Aaron. And, and instead of being like, you know, for my role... Do we all understand this? I'm not talking to farmers here, but you've got to understand a little bit about. This is going to get a little weird. Okay, so instead of me being like the role of the back rubber and the encourager, it's almost like me being like, you know, in this relationship, let me help you with this. Let me just birth this baby for you. I feel like when you're operating outside of the role that God designed you for, and you allow people in your life to operate outside of the role God designed them for. I feel like there's a whole lot of pushing going on, but I don't think we're pushing babies out. Come on, Venue Church, say amen. I mean, there's some, like, we're going to be, like, making a lot of noise, but it's not going to be. It's just going to get really, really weird. And, um, I, I, listen, freedom of speech is great, and your voice matters. But here's why your voice matters, because, because Jesus died for you, so your self-worth is here. Like, it can't be higher because of what somebody says about you. Your self-worth is already, it should be up here if you understood how Jesus thinks about you. Because he thought you were worth dying for, even in your sinful state. Not that you had anything to offer, but just because you are loved. 
all right? But that doesn't mean that your voice, your voice matters because of your worth, but that doesn't mean that your voice in a nuclear power plant during a meltdown matters all that much, right? Because some of us, what's happening right now is we like, our voice matters as much as anybody's voice in every scenario. And I'm like, if the, if the power plant is melting down, I don't want you in there with your voice pushing the everything is blowing up button, right? And that's what happens when you allow people with the wrong role into your life, speaking with the wrong voice, is that they're pushing the self-destruct button when God is like, no, no, my power actually follows my revelation, which follows my voice. Now, how do we identify that? How do we, how do we get into that? Now, um, th- thankfully, I'm thankful for Thanksgiving which is all supposed to be about um, thanking God for this land that we live in, thanking God for food, thanking God for family, thanking God for friendships. Now, Thanksgiving gives me lots of your Thanksgiving family reunions and your crazy stories gives me lots of sermon material. And I'm very happy that your family... Does anybody, unless you go to church with them, does anybody have, have you just went to Thanksgiving and you got crazy people in your family? Put your hands up. It's fine. If your hand's not up, it's you. So I asked somebody, I'm like, is, do you have crazy people in your family? And they're like, no, I don't think so. And I'm like, everybody thinks that it's you. And so what I would like to do after Thanksgiving sometimes is I would like to take all the crazy Thanksgiving people and make them have their own Thanksgiving. And then I'd like to video it. And I'd like the normal people to, to watch it. And that would be our Thanksgiving. And I would be thankful for that. Um, we have a couple in the church, and I obviously asked their permission to, to share this. And um, they just had Thanksgiving dinner. Can I just lay, kind of build a story for you? Because it's all about voices. And uh, family voices, and I'm going to describe what immediate family and extended family looks like, and who should have the right to say what. Okay, this is going to set some of you free. Oh, my goodness. Free from your mother-in-law. Say amen, gentlemen. Okay. Now, <laughs> now but also, we have to take some responsibility here. Now, um, so some, some friends of ours here at the church, we've known them forever, they, um, they had Thanksgiving. And so they showed up, and they brought all the, f- the food, I, th- I, th- I think. They may or not, may not be sitting over here. Okay. They brought the food. They brought all the food. And so, but they showed up, and um, this might be like his mom's, it's his parents, that's where it was. And his mom is like on her last uh, legs, uh, stage four cancer. Now, it's okay, she's going to go to heaven, and we're going to see her later. But it's kind of a sad time. It's a little bit bittersweet right now in the family. And so she's in a bed in the living room, and so, and, and his parents are there. And then her parents also came to this Thanksgiving as well. So you got kids, and you got, you know, you got this family, and then you got this other you know, a couple in here that aren't really part of this family, but by marriage, okay, it's getting complicated. Are you tracking with me? Okay. So then, then his, the venue guy, his, his younger brother, who's like 40 or something, shows up like 45 minutes late. You, you got somebody who's always late. We just have, we have some copes that we just tell, we just say Thanksgiving is at one when it's at three. And then, then they get there. And stuff. Well, he shows up without any food and without anybody but himself, Right like 45 minutes or an hour late and he walks in and everybody's eating because the food was hot and there's kids and like, like, let's go, you know? And so rather than just get a plate and be like, Hey guys, sorry, I'm late. You know, he goes in and starts like freaking out and starts getting like, Oh, how dare you eat without me? Even though I didn't bring any food and all the things, you know, like, you know, you, you know, somebody you're related to somebody. 
or they're related to you. So he comes in and he just wants his voice to like override everything and be like, how is this a thing? And how are you not doing all and living according to the word of God? I mean, myself. And how is this that you did not wait for, you know, for me? And then he starts arguing with like dad about something really stupid and starts like yelling. And I'm thinking to myself, like, dude, your mom is in this, in a bed right now. And this might be her last family thing, right? And so he's in here just making an idiot of himself. And then he starts going after his brother and starts going after him and starts like, like, you remember in junior high when people were experimenting with swearing and they were taking like this word and adding it to this word and then saying it? Right. Don't act so holy. I know. I know your backstory. This is what he was doing in front of his kids and in front of not even his family, but in front of her family. In front of, and this is what's starting to go down here. And he's starting to get angry and starting to like really cut into the venue guy. And so the venue guy did what you, I think you can only do in this scenario. He's just like, all right, kids, I guess we're going home. <laughs> you, know? you don't want your kids exposed to crazy and stuff like that. And you just got to be in this place where you're like, okay, it's time to go. If you want to be like this, that's fine. But, you know, you don't have to stick around and be sworn at. I, you don't, you think you want to? I don't know. I'm, I'm getting a feel for the crowd here. So he's like, okay, I think it's time to go. So he starts packing the kids up. And then, uh, and then, then she comes in, and he's still like at the venue guy, right? And then, she, then she comes in. Uh, they're married, right? I'll explain all this. She comes in, and he starts going. The brother starts going at her, and like, since he married you, like, you're the reason why he doesn't want to talk to me anymore. And starts like yelling at her, and like, basically, like, you want to do this? And which, like, we know her at venue church. And if I gave you your name, you'd be like, you're digging your own grave right there. So if you really want to f- have a fight or whatever, you're going towards, you know, and I'm like, just going at her. And she's like, maybe he doesn't want to talk to you because of stuff like this. Maybe he doesn't like being sworn at and treated like an idiot, you know? And I realized, you know, the, the 90%, I think of the conflict in your life is that you don't understand the role that people ought to have in your life. And you don't understand the role. It's like, who gets to do what to who, whose voice matters more here? How do we work through this, you know, you're always looking for a new job because you're always giving your opinion to your boss and telling him how to run his, you know what I'm saying? And so I'm like, why don't we just kind of deal with the 90% of this? Because we need to figure out like, how does God speak? Who does he speak through? How do the roles actually work? So there's two roles, two major voices. Um, are you ready? I can't get into all of this. So you got to go to small group and get the rest of it. Okay. God sends a few people to, are you ready? To direct you, to correct you, and to protect you. Now, if you're a dad and you have kids, that's your main job. So like I can be buddies with my kids, but first I'm dad and that's my job. So as a pastor, the shepherd here, that's my job. Like that's, that's what I answer for. It's my job to direct, correct, and protect a few people. Now keep in mind that you might be that to your kids, but you're not the only role one in their lives. So it worries me when Christian dads are like, I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. I speak with the voice of the Lord and nobody speaks to, I'm like, that's worrying. What happens when you get a little bit off? You know, what happens when you get a little bit, or you're going to filter everything that comes to those kids? What if, what if you are a very limited vessel that God has decided to use because of his grace and his goodness, your kids need venue kids and venue youth to say amen. Okay. So, so that's the thing. Now God sends everybody else. Now everybody else can go into role number two. 
Um, to suggest, to care for, and to encourage. I could have put a bunch of different words in there. I just felt like this would kind of resonate here. Suggest, meaning like you don't get to go in and like direct and be like, stop doing this, do that. You get to make suggestions. You get to give advice. I'm going to go through the whole family role pretty soon. So just open your hearts, suggest. I get to suggest things. I don't get to go to your home and like be like, Jason, you're doing the dishwasher wrong, which he probably is if he knows what that is. Okay. So that I get to make suggestions. I get to care for. There's a lot of people in role two in my life, sometimes in the church culture, who are like, pastor, this is what you should do for the church. And I'm like, A, I'm pretty sure you don't pray, even about your own life, for like five minutes a week. So that's going to be problematic, because I think you think that we're trying to run church based on ideas that we have, when it's really just like, God, what do you want to do? And then we do that, right? So, and so it's like this, like, suggest to care for. And uh, to encourage. Now, uh, let, me, let me go here right now. On our director's board, I have somebody who's a number two at, at Experience Church in Calgary. His name is Pastor Quincy. He is, sits as off-site on our director's board here. So his role is a, number, a role number two in the church. So he has, in his role number two, probably kept us from making two decently major money. Not mistakes, but he, he made sure that we made the right decisions there. But his role is very careful with me. He doesn't come in and order all things according to his will. He's a number two at a different church. But his role was like, hey, here's something you should consider maybe. And then let me know what the team decides. Right? So that makes sense. So like, so, and like, and you need to consider this about staffing because they're a little bit ahead of us in years. And so like, you need to consider this about staffing. You need, and I'm really glad that I took his counsel and his advice because it, it's helped us make a good decision. Pastor Nate from Experience Church, or from Substance Church in Minneapolis, where uh, our daughter Arwen is interning right now. Uh, so Pastor Peter and Carolyn, there are pastors. And Pastor Nate, he's their executive. He sits as oversight of that board, meaning he can come in role one and change anything he wants anytime he wants to. And there's no discussion about it. There's just like, okay, like this is, that's how God brings that. That's why Venue Church has been blessed, by the way, is because of that relationship. Because God pours out through whom he speaks through. So if you don't have the, the anointing of God breaks the yoke, if you don't have anointing in your life to deal with your teenager because you're trying to be over, but you are not under the right voice, you are not, the anointing pours down, God's provision pours down. Is this helping you? God's, the reason you, that your marriage isn't in the place where God wants it is because you're not listening to the right voices about your marriage. You're not listening to the right anointing because God always brings his provision through whom he speaks through. And so, um, so, but this is how we do it. If I'm in role two in your life and I notice like, hey, you're eating a lot of Big Macs and you're living an unhealthy life, I can be like, hey, let's go for a run and let's eat something nasty like kale or whatever, which I'm never going to say to you, but like I probably should, right? And so, um, but there's a way to do that and to affect encouraging change and be like, hey, how can I encourage you? How can I pray for you? How can I, I've been praying for you and I feel like God wants to tell you that, listen, don't get discouraged about this because God has a plan. You know, those are sorts of things that I can in that role number two in those people in my life. I can really affect change in there. Now, um, everybody assumes that they're in, in role number one and that's where the power struggle is. Like, don't tell me how to, that's my thing, right? Now, this is what the enemy does. The enemy does this little opposite, oppositesies, I call it. I just called it. So he'll take, it's hard enough for us to be corrected because we're just proud. Canadians are very proud. We think we're humble. 
which proud people normally do. Um, so what the animated does, he'll send your crazy sister-in-law to your Thanksgiving dinner with all sorts of advice for your marriage, even though her marriage failed. And so he'll try to get her to come in or somebody at school who has teenagers that you definitely don't want to replicate in your home. And, and, and they'll come in with that and they'll think that that's their job in your life is to tell you what to do when they don't even have any natural results that are working, right? And so I see a lot of this in... I see this in the millennial generation, younger generations. Everybody wants their voice to matter, but we're almost like counseling sideways here. And I'm thinking, if you're receiving counsel for your two-year-old kid from somebody with a two-year-old kid, you're still, both of you are in the, I have theories about parenting stage. Okay, our kids aren't two anymore. We are past theories. We know what theories were terrible because they didn't actually bring the results in children that we needed to, to have, right? And so just even in a natural level. But God may not have, you know, God is obviously not speaking through your crazy sister-in-law and everybody's got one. Okay, so, so, so you'll get a bad taste in your mouth for direction and correction and protection because you let the wrong person do that. So then you'll start resisting the real role ones that God wants to speak direction, protection, and, and correction to. You'll get a bad taste in your mouth. Now the other error that the enemy, so that's one error. The other error that the enemy would love for you to fall into is to see your role ones, your supervisor at work, your pastor, your small group leader, your team lead, whatever that looks like, your dad, your mom, to see your role one as your, you ready? It's a Canadian sickness, as your buddy. Like, hey, buddy. Like, hey. We both have things to say. Hey. And then we bring that into the church, and God's like, uh, I'm God. And we spend all our time arguing with our voice because it ought to matter to God. And God's like, you're talking with somebody who knows everything as if you know everything, and you're arguing with me. Or we read the Bible, and some churches are getting into this right now. And I would say, do not go to a church that the Bible is just a suggestion book. It's the 10 suggestions. Like, yeah, don't do that unless you really want to. You know what I'm saying? Like... God says, choose life or choose death, but you're choosing, right? And so, um, see pastors as buddies. Well, that's a bit problematic if I have to put the pastor hat on and direct and protect, correct and speak with God's voice to you and protect your family or protect your sanity. It becomes a little problematic because the people in my life, Peter, you know, pastors Peter and Carolyn, we joke around, but as soon as he puts that pastor hat on, we're not buddies. I, I don't have... You know, my entire life, because I have a, a pretty strong personality. What? I know, really? I know, it doesn't come across. But I had a very strong mind and so many opinions about everything. I spent so much of my life with opinions going up the ladder. Now listen, that's where opinions go. They can go up the ladder. Like, And I had bosses my whole career. I would go opinions up the ladder, like, here's what I think. But then it's funny how direction comes down by people who write checks. Right? And so, but then I would be like upset with their decision-making all the time. And I realized what an incredible waste of time. I'm not even in the position to affect that change there because I'm not them or I'm not the boss or I'm just not in the authority structure in that place where I can even affect. And I'm like, what an incredible waste of time. And then I actually started taking all my energy on the execution of things underneath me where I have lots of decisions that I can make down there and realized like, oh, it was really stupid and really dumb to waste all my time trying to argue about things that... Because they have information that I don't even have. They have a position. They have a responsibility. I don't even have out there, you know. Um, is, this, is this helping? Sorry to preach a practical sermon, everybody. I'm still trying to preach that sermon where I'm like, everybody's doing great. I'm like, 
Yeah, no, like we are, but like let's get some things online so that God's blessing can come to you. Somebody right now is struggling with, um, this, if, if this is not you, don't judge somebody who's struggling just with like keeping it together, just with your sanity right now, just with your like panic. And uh, if that's you, that's a terrifying place to be. God wants to change that today because you're listening to the wrong voices and you haven't put the right voice, you haven't given permission to roll one, to speak as roll one in your life and the roll ones that God has for you. And I'm saying that is how God protects your thoughts and your heart. And so I just want to give you that promise today. Um, the other service didn't get that because you're, there's people here who need that. And so why would I say that? Because I felt the Holy Lord say that. Then it's like, okay, stop. Yes, okay. And then we deliver. Does that make sense? All right. Um, oh my goodness. Where am I? I've noticed. Let me just go through some of these roles here because friendship is really role two. Unless you're structurally ahead of somebody and responsible. Now, like, well, what am I responsible for? Do you pay the bills there ultimately? Is it on you? Like, if, 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 if your boss loses the company, he loses his house. If the boss loses the company, you don't lose your house. You know what I'm saying? So generally speaking, the, the higher you go and more responsible you are, uh, the more you pay, the more you serve, the more it hurts, the earlier you get up. I mean, all of those things as well. And so friendship is generally role two. Um, I think we're, we're eating a lot of food from recipes from people who might have something to say but they don't really have God's thing to say in your life. And so, um, anyways, I, I'm going to move on because I think there's something more important coming. Work is already structured for you. So I don't, what do you want me to say about work? Like you have a supervisor that you didn't choose. And it would be good if you understood that and stop wasting your time trying to choose your supervisor. Is this for somebody? Oh, the quieter you are, the more guilty I sense that you are. Okay, um, let me just move on. Um, how do you know all this, Pastor? Because I wasted a lot of my life having opinions about things that I had no authority to move in. And I realized, what a waste of my life. You know, I could probably be spending my time better. Um, your home has a certain measure of authority in it. And that's on you. You're responsible for your home. So if I come over to your home, I'm not going to be like, you know what? Paint your door yellow instead of painting it red. I don't like the color of your front door. Uh, that would be odd. Do you know what I'm saying? Some people come into your home and they don't have suggestions. They have directives. And I'm like, well, this is the problem. Because role number ones in your life are supposed to set boundaries for you. That's your job, mom, is to set boundaries for your teenagers. Uh, but role number two is supposed to have boundaries set by you for them. So does that make sense? Because everybody's going to set the boundary in a different place for you. But listen, if I'm talking to you and I really want to get something across to you, it's really easy for me just to like walk into your house and like, you know, or your Thanksgiving dinner or whatever that looks like. Now, it's a little bit different because I'm a pastor, but just, just give me a sec here. Now, can I, can I, if you have a home, you have authority there, right? And so now if my kids go to your home, they're still under our authority and our responsibility, which means they're not allowed to watch some TV shows at your house. Even if you're okay with that, we're not okay with that. And that's how they get protected. And does that make sense? And so, you know, um, let me go into the next thing. Family. Okay. This is, let me just define immediate and extended family in their roles that like biblically... If you're outside of your role and outside of your anointing, it's just not going to work. And so this is what happens in, in my home. Let me just describe it in my home. In my home, Pastor Aaron and I were responsible for the family. I'm ultimately responsible, which means if my phone, home falls apart, um, if my home falls apart, God comes looking for me, not her. That's really what being responsible, does that make sense? 
And, um, and so in our home, but we were responsible for our children. So uh, Armin is 20 now, and she's in Minneapolis right now. So she's still really under our authority in a lot of ways because she's going to come back and move under our roof, right? So kind of our rules if she wants to eat and live indoors here. Now she pays a bit of rent and all of that. But she's still under her father's really... Now, if you don't have a father figure, Venue Church has lots of them, and you can borrow my dad. Because if you didn't grow up with a, with a dad, God has dads for you in the house. And so, um, or your dad just wasn't present. We have present fathers here. And uh, we need those. We need that sort of mentoring in our lives. Now, so, so, but the moment that Arwen gets married, what happens in the sight of God is that when she marries, this is, this is marriage, like a, a, a man and woman and God in a union— that actually, she moves out from under our familial authority into their own immediate family. As soon as that happens, Pastor Aaron and I are no longer her immediate family in the sense of structure. Does that make sense? Now, obviously, we're still mom and dad, but our role shifts from parental role one of direction, correction, and protection into role two. My parents did this effortlessly. Most parents do not. It's a huge struggle. My dad went from telling me what I should do with my money to being like, well, you could do this and you could do this, but like, that's your family unit. You're going to, it's your problem now. And so, and so, and so does that make sense? And now what happens is how does God protect and how does God direct and how does he bring his, well, this family was supposed to be under, under the leadership of God in the church. That's where direction and protection and correction comes, right? And so this family, now this other family is formed. That family now comes under the leadership and guidance of the church. So if you want your marriage to be blessed or your future marriage, get the blessing of the spiritual leaders in the house of God because God's not confused. He's not going to tell you one thing and tell them another. But if you want the blessing of God and the anointing of God, and so that's what we did before our, our spiritual leadership in our church were like, yes, this is God. And so that gave us great confidence to move forward. And so that becomes its own family unit. Now my role has to shift in that relationship. Now I'm up, I'm, if they go to our church, then they're still really under my pastoral or my spiritual guidance and care. But that doesn't really extend to how they do things in the house unless there's things like abuse or I would have the right to come in as their pastor and, and say to him, if they go to our church, I would say like, hey, you know, here's just some direction from the Lord, I feel for you, or correction or protection. Why? Because that's how God gets all the things, all the gifts into your house. That's how God gets it there, right? But as a father, I can't come in and be like, oh, I wouldn't do that. I wouldn't paint that. You know, I wouldn't. No, they, they're going to have, they're going to be responsible. Is this helping you? They're going to be responsible for that. I'm going to have to make that shift. We're going to have to make that shift uh, as a father. Now, hopefully my daughter's Mary Venue, man, because then I'm going to own them. Because if somebody mistreats my daughters, I'll go back to jail. I have no problem with that. Say amen, Venue Church. Come on, there's protection in the house of God. I want them to run a gauntlet of good godly venue men that are like, you better treat this girl right or you are going to get messed up six ways from Sunday around here. Isn't that, doesn't that give you a good feeling for my daughters though? Like, hey, they're going to be protected. They're going to be looked after. And that's a, that's a really good thing. I see too many Christian men who, in the older generation, not so much in this generation, who thought that they were God of their home and thought that they were pastors of their home. I'm like, careful that you're not speaking as your family's pastor if you're not your family's pastor. Do you know what I mean? God will not anoint you in a role that he has not appointed you in. And so I'm like, you don't, you don't have enough decisions to make there. You have to maintain yourself in that pipeline to get all of that blessing of the Lord. And so, um, but also here's what I would say, young women, don't ever marry a man who's not submitted. 
Like, because they're going to want to be over you, all right? They're going to want to be like, hey, you know, like, this is how we're going to do everything. But they don't answer to anybody. They're not uh, accountable to anybody. And I'm like, they need to be accountable to brothers in the church as their peers. And like, dude, you can't talk to your wife like that. And they have to be accountable to spiritual authorities for the protection of the women and children. Because everybody gets crazy sometimes. Everybody gets tempted. And if you're not in that place, I'm like, no, no, you, you, you don't have any authority over until you're under. That's how the, the anointing of God flows. Okay. Is this helping? Now, listen. Is this good? This is going to help you. This is what you do with family. This is what you, and here's the hard part is you got to go to some of your family who's like trying to speak with the voice of God. And you got to be like, you know what? This is what we need from you. We need encouragement. We need to know that you're praying for us. I used to pray prayers like this for my pastor. Like, God, you know, give me a word of correction for my pastor who is my dad. Now, here's the thing. God doesn't answer that because God didn't, you're not the pastor. But I heard stuff. I heard voices, everybody. You know, here's a better prayer. God, give me a word of encouragement from my husband. Come on, let's make it real. Give me a word of encouragement for my mom. Say amen, moms. Give me a word of encouragement. How can I bless her? I should empty the dishwasher without having to say, okay. Uh, oh my goodness, my time is gone. All right. Um, now let's get into Moses and, and Aaron and Miriam. This family dynamic, but it's also dynamic politically, and it's also dynamic in the kingdom. While they were at Hazaroth, you're going to love this. The Bible is full of such weird stories. Okay. Marion and Aaron criticized Moses. So Marion, Marion was the oldest. Aaron was next. So, and Moses was the baby. So in the family circle, Moses did the dishes, if that's what Miriam said, right? So in the family circle, the older you are, the more responsible you are, the more authority that you have, generally speaking. Now... Now, because he had married a Cushite woman, this is like a, a countercultural thing at the time. I'm not going to get into that. But they had things to say about that. Aaron, now Moses was over the Israel because God decided that. Aaron was over the entire tribe of the Levites, and he was the chief priest. He was a big deal. He was the number two. Miriam was like the number three. She was, she was the chief prophetess of the entire nation. That's a huge, like that crazy lady from uh, Avatar who did all the swaying and chanting. You guys watch TV? Okay, so spiritual, okay, anyways, other service didn't get it either. Okay, um, they said, has God spoken only through Moses? Hasn't he spoken through us too? Then it says this, but the Lord heard them. Well, the reality of it is God spoke through them all the time. But it's interesting that the Lord heard and he didn't like what he heard. Because the Lord heard that they said, has God spoken only through Moses has God as if their value wasn't as if they weren't valuable enough right that better be Jesus on the phone <laughs> I think what God is hearing there is like you're not happy with my choice watch now Moses was very humble more humble than any other person on earth you know who wrote that Moses. Now, if Paul would write that, that wouldn't make him humble. I'm always picking on Dr. Paul. Listen, he was so humble that when the Holy Spirit told him to write that, he's like, people are going to think I'm proud if I write that. But he's like, if that's what you want, then. Right? I mean, that's, that's kind of powerful if you think about it. Um, so immediately the Lord called to Moses, Aaron, and Miriam. 
I said, go out to the tabernacle, all three of you. So the three of them went out to the tabernacle. Now, two came very confidently with a lot to say. Moses is going in very differently because Moses has these meetings with God often. And Moses doesn't say a lot in those meetings. He listens a lot. So Moses is going in with his role one to listen. Did you get that? Not to speak, to listen. We need to listen more than we speak with role ones. Please hear me. When I'm with my pastors, I listen a lot. I just like, just say things. It just, it will help me say, speak. Uh, Miriam and Aaron go in with their role one and their other role one, Moses and God, with a lot to say. Sadly, they don't get to say anything here. The Lord descended and said, Aaron and Miriam, so they step forward uh, very confidently, expecting Moses to be corrected. The Lord said to them, now listen to what I say. I feel like God is maybe warning somebody today. Now listen to what I say. You've been saying a lot. You don't want God to say that about you. I'm telling you as a warning. Uh, if there were prophets among you, you're talking to like the high priest and the prophetess. If there were prophets among you, like I might change my mind about the two of you. Because you're supposed to be speaking with my voice to your kids and not your voice to your, come on. I'm thinking about changing my mind about the role that I put you in because you obviously missed something pretty crucial. I would reveal myself in visions. I would speak to them in dreams. But not with Moses. Of all my house, he's the one I trust because he gets this and you don't get this. I don't trust you because you don't get this. That's what he's saying. That's why Moses is in charge because he gets it. I speak to him face to face clear, clearly, not in riddles. He sees the Lord as he is. And you see a, a version of me, but you don't quite have the picture that he has. That's why he, he gets to speak for me. Come on. So why were you not afraid to criticize Moses? The Lord was angry and he departed. As the cloud moved, there stood Miriam, her skin as white as snow from leprosy. Come on up, worship. When Aaron saw what had happened to her, he cried out to Moses. All of a sudden, he had a heart change. And this is probably what saved Miriam, because we don't see that Miriam said anything. We don't see that Miriam apologized. But maybe she did, but he cried out, oh, my master. All of a sudden, it's like, oh, no, 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 you're in charge here, and I get it now. That's how God blesses us, and that's how God protects us. And I'm sorry that I stepped into that role. That was your role. He said, my master, please don't punish us for the sin we've so foolishly committed. And Moses cried out, verse 13, to the Lord, oh, God, I beg you, please heal her. Verse 15, so Miriam was kept outside the camp for seven days, and the people waited until she was brought back before they traveled again. So this is God's word to somebody here, I think, is that the whole camp or your whole family, your whole friendship group or your whole small group or your whole church might be stopped because of you. And being sick is not fun, but sometimes we're sick because we're not listening to the right voices and we're not speaking in the right role. And there's a sickness that descends upon our soul and a bit of deception that comes to us because God cleans all of that out when you're in the right place at the right time. And he puts people over you. I know that you think that you're smarter than they are, but God doesn't choose people because he thinks that they're smart. He chooses people because he thinks that he's smart. And sometimes a more humble person doesn't have as much of their brain to get in the way. And so that's why he puts somebody over you who might be simpler, but who's more obedient. Come on, Venue Church. I love you, that's why I hurt you. Here's what I want to say. If you need a miracle, you need something in your life right now, I'll bet you it has to do with the voices that are over you. I'll bet you that you need to do a substitute. 
move some of these voices into role two and then move the right voice into role one. See, a role one can't be a role one in your life, teenager, until you give them permission to. Because they can try to exercise that right to help you and correct you and protect you and direct you. But you got to give permission for people to lead you. You got to be like, I am mom, you're mom. And I'm going to trust that God is going to speak to you. Even if you're a little crazy sometimes, I'm going to trust that that's still how God gets what I need to me. Does that make sense? Some of you, you need to act like a role one because your parents, stop being buddies with your kids. Do what's right by them, whether they want you to or not. Speak the word of God to them, help them, correct them, keep them from bad friendships. Step into the role that God wants you to do. Miracles always follow God's voice. Let's try to get God's voice this week.